Hello everyone and welcome to Pninios, the down-to-earth Hasidus podcast. I'm very happy to be back recording Bor Hashem and now it's with a special occasion. That special occasion is Chovdale Teves. In two days, Be'ezus Hashem will be the 24th of Tevet, which is the Yorzeit of the Alter Rebbe, the founder of the entire Chabad Hasidic philosophy. When we say founder of Chabad Hasidic philosophy, obviously it means the Alter Rebbe didn't invent anything. He only explained Torah and Kabbalah in a special way called Hasidus that actually reveals the deepest light of Hashem and brings in a practical, intellectual, understandable, intellectually understandable and emotionally feelable, if you can say that, way to people. And, and that's an amazing revolution, making a Lukus fit into a human's brain and heart. And it's interesting to start from the fact, like we'll start with the story, even though the point of the shiur is not the story, but more the analysis of the Torah that the Altarebbe says within that story. And it's the story of the Altarebbe's passing. As you probably know, the Altarebbe passed away on a Moitze Shabbos, the Shabbos was Chof Gimel, and then Moitze Shabbos was Chof Dalet. The Altarebbe passed away in the middle of the way, in a trip, in a journey, inside of his whatever, chariot, freezing cold, December, January, in Russia, Ukraine, whatever. He was escaping with a whole long shayara, um, you say like, a, like a group of Hasidim, entourage, yes, of chariots. Um, the Altarev was basically escaping from the army of Napoleon. They wanted, the, he was a target for them because he supported the Russians in that war for spiritual reasons, reasons, but he wanted the Russians to win, not the French. And that's why the French army was looking after him. And when they knew that they're coming, they basically escaped. It was like many, many Hasidim, the family, of course, the extended family, and many Hasidim went away. It was a horrible journey. It was disastrous. The Mitter Rebbe lost a baby. Like, that Rebbe lost a grandson within that. I don't know if it was before Chavdal Davis or after. It was impossible. Imagine escaping without food, without whatever, almost without resources in the middle of the frozen forest for weeks and whatever. At the end, with the, with the stress and the cold and the lack of resources, it does take a toll. And that Rebbe got really, really sick. They found a doctor. They, they, they called for a doctor, whatever. They got a doctor to come check him. And he said he barely has a couple of hours left. And so the Tzemach Tzedek was about to dab in Mairi of Moitzi Chavez, and he stands on a corner and he starts singing a Nigun Merirus, like a Nigun of like bitterness. Of course, you can understand them. The Tzemach Tzedek grew up with Altarebe. His mother passed away very young, Altarebe's daughter, and Altarebe took him in. So it was basically a Benbais, like a kind of like an adopted son by Altarebe, plus a Talmid student and a Chosid. For him, the Altarebbe was his life, basically. The Altarebbe lived in the Tzemach lived his entire life, like, focusing on the Altarebbe. All of his memoriam are explanations of the Altarebbe's memoriam. Um, so, and basically, he was 20-something, 20 22, 23, um, young, an incredible Talmud Chochem, and yet a young person, to lose his, whatever, Rebbe, grandfather, etc., and he goes on a corner and he starts davening with hugely, like, 
deep meridus song and crying, literally begging Hashem for a miracle, crying for the life of his grandfather. Um, it's interesting, Stam, a parenthesis, a little parenthesis, I just read the other day and it's really interesting. The Rebbe explains the idea of Moit Shabbos, that why do we make Psalmim for Abdullah Moit Shabbos and why do we make a Melave Malka, special meal, a special meal to farewell, to farewell the, the king that just left, right? And it says that, or, or the smell is like to, to give yourself to to re I say give back your calm your peace to yourself after your extra neshama left the neshama you say you know the extra neshama leaves us we have an extra neshama it's as if on Shabbos you're doubly you have like a double soul double godly light like the body stays the same but the power the chayus the ability to understand the connection to Hashem your is like the like the soul powers are double and the body stays the same so it's a very it's like almost like when you know that they say like the that if you get double the oxygen then then you're like with the higher highs whatever it's known that in casinos they they have like machines that spread out oxygen like in a casino, you breathe double. I don't know how to explain it. Like you don't breathe double, but you get double the amount of oxygen in the air than outside. And that, it's like a natural drug. It picks you up, it lifts you, it makes you more awake, it makes you more willing to bed, etc., etc. It's a trick they use on people, yeah. In any case, it's as if Shabbos is double oxygen. And when your double neshama goes away, actually, what do you, how do you say breathing in Hebrew? Oxygen, neshama. Neshima means breathing, Neshama means soul. So you have double soul, you're literally breathing double, Beruchnius. When that extra Neshama goes, it's like oh, your inner extra Koyach left and you're left down sad with half of the Koyach. That's why we try to come the, the other Nefesh, that, the part that's left in the body with a good smell, good food, etc. And the Rebbe compares that with the Moitzah Shabbos passing off because like Amorti Shabbos your extra Neshama lives it's as if when the Tzadik is alive in the world there is a Mamish an extra soul in the universe like as if that Rebbe was the extra spirituality and soul of the world and when he leaves of course it, then it's our job Mazari Bachayim to use his teachings and his Torah has his true Neshama that still lights and yet for the time being it's it's a painful experience that your extra soul left, and that's why he passed away on Moitzah Shabbos. Some interesting idea. Now, because of this pain, that it was imminent, the Tzemachzeg is davening with a deep meridus and sadness, or whatever, maybe just meridus, because sadness is also. But in any case, after he finishes davening with Bechiyois uh, Noirois, that Trebe calls him over, that Trebe is with his last koiches, physically, Calls him to take over and he says, You shouldn't have. I said, Oops, okay, what did they do wrong now? He's like, You shouldn't have done it with Meridius. When you want to be poly like Yeshua, when you want to cancel like Zero, when you want to cancel like Zero, you need to do it with a great happiness and trust in Hashem that Xero will be cancelled. You need to daven out of happiness as if 
so much you trust the union will be fulfilled that you're already celebrating it before it happens. Like by Yetzirah in time, I always think about this concept. It's so basic. It's Mamesh Pshat of the story of the Torah. Eden made the first Seder Pesach of history. What's the Seder Pesach? Commemorating what? Yetzirah in time? Well, the first Seder was before Yetzirah in time. They're celebrating the championship before the last game. What's up with you? How do you celebrate Yetzirah in time with a Seder? If you're still in Mitzrayim. And I think that that's actually what brought the Geula. That they believed in Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu said, Moshiach is here. They're already celebrating. They're making a Seder. They're making a Korban Pesach. They're making a Korban Pesach at the moment that the Pesach, Hashem Sheposach Hashem Albote Mitzrayim, was happening. You get how strong the word is? So you need to dive Davka with chayus and happiness and strength and trust and not with crying and meridius and bitterness. It's obviously counterintuitive because if what you're trying to do is to cancel Axero, it means you're living, you're going through Axero and you're suffering. And yet, so then, in order to explain why this is so important, that Rebbe told them and said, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to teach you a Torah I heard from my Rebbe, from the Magi. And it feels teaches him the following Torah. And this is the major, the main part of the, of the point of the class. He says that, uh, that whenever in Nebuo, in Yechezkel, I think, I think it's by the Merkova, when it says that on top of the chariot there was um, a chair and on top of the chair there was a man, you know, the, the expression Beldmus, there was an appearance that looks like a man on top of it, on top of the chair. Now, why does the Novi compare the presence of Hashem, like the Shechino, with a human shape? If that's rule number one in Jewish belief, that Hashem is not a body, it doesn't look like a body, it doesn't look like, like anybody, like anybody, you get the word. Uh, Hashem doesn't have a body and doesn't have any look, any physical look. So, why do we call him? Well, Musa That's a not very successful expression, apparently. And the explanation the Magid gives is that if you, Akadosh Baruch by himself, in the Oiden Soif, in the infinite light, is just like the name implies, infinite. And infinite doesn't mean from before the beginning until after the end. Infinite is not just in time chronologically. It's infinity, which means it's everything and nothing together. It's all the possibilities and all the potential before it becomes a potential. It's all and nothing. And therefore, it's not defined as anything, any part, any body part. It's not a head, not a toe, not good, not bad, not light, not darkness. It's infinite essence. Now, you want Hashem, so to speak, air quotes, you want Hashem to have a shape and a form, which means you need to be mamshichelokus into the world, bring godliness down to the world to a point that it has a specific shape, like, for example, bringing brocha from Hashem to you in the shape and form of health, bring blessing from Hashem to you, like you want to catch 
and synthesize a little light from the infinity. I want to like, Brojo is like trying to grasp a stickle from that, a little piece of that infinity and turn it into something very finite and defined for my needs. Okay? Then how are you going to do that? Or what, in other words, is Hashem going to look like, air quotes again? So if godliness will have any appearance, Udmus, Kemare Odom. What's Mare? Or the looks of? Or in like we use it in modern Hebrew, Mara is a mirror. You know what a is gonna look like? Kemare Odom, like a mirror to the person. The Evishter is a mirror to you. It's like the Balshemto Stoiro, that that's the Magit Stoiro and the Posuk Udmus Kemare Odom Olomil Milo is based on the Balshemto Stoiro and the Posuk Hashem Tzilcho. We say it all the time, it's in a famous Tilim, we say it in Davening many times. Yosheb says it, Hashem Tzilcho, Hashem is your. No, no, it's Yosheb says it, it's in Shinamanis. Um, Hashem is your, your shade, okay? So literally in Tanakh, shade means protection, because like Israel is a very sunny place, and if you have no shade, then you suffer. When you have shade, you're protected. Now, that's why in Tanakh, shade is used as protection, the metaphor. Now, Alpir Ruchnius, Pichsides, Tzilcho means also not your shade, but your shadow. Just like your shadow moves exactly to whatever place you move, like it follows you perfectly. It's exactly your shape and exactly the speed of your movement. Like the shadow, it's mamish, like copies after you. So to Hashem Tzilcho, Hashem is your copy. Hashem is your shadow. And then he connects it with the Zoya that says, the Almo de Lesato, Kigavno de Leilo, Almo de Leilo, sorry. Almo de Leilo, the higher world, the higher realm and dimension, Kigavno de Almo de Lesato. It's, I say Kigavno, it's um, just opposed, like the same, Keneged. Um, it's exactly the same and a copy to the world below. Not the only the other way around. Or at least or maybe better said, not only the other way around. So we know that everything that happens in this world is a reflection and a consequence of what happens in the world above. Right? And yet, guess what? The opposite is also truth. What happens in the world above, world above means how Hashem defines his Amshoches how Hashem runs the world, how Hashem becomes your God or the God of your life, of your world. In other words, what Hashem does towards you depends on what you do towards Him. Hashem is your shadow. You play first. He'll copy. He'll follow. If you smile, He'll smile to you. Or in other words, in simpler words, if you are happy, Hashem will find reasons to make you happy. Like, you know, they say money follows money. Okay, by the Abishir works like that. Happiness of Hashem follows happiness from the person. Brocha from Hashem follows attitude of Brocha by the person. Do you understand why this word that the Rebbe is telling the Tzemach Tzedek is so, so strong and incredibly powerful? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. No, because you may went like this. I'll tell you why. Because it's incredibly powerful because it 
first of all, it puts a responsibility on you, a little stupid, mortal, limited human being, that responsibility, responsibility not only for yourself and for the world, even for the Evishter, because you're the one who defines how the Evishter is going to be Nimshach projected to the world. And that's why I think that this is the, okay, it was the last Torah that the Rebbe said during his physical life in this world. And I think it's literally a perfect sum up of like, okay, all of my chsilas and all of the Tanya and all of whatever, summarized in one word, it looks like the looks of a person. You want to know what a son looks like? Like you, sweetie. You want it to look nicer? Change. In other words, you want Simcha, you want Geula, you want a Yeshua, well, you gotta be in Simcha, Geula, and Yeshua mood and mode. And, and that's how it's gonna happen. But before we go on to controlling or dominating the Amshoches Milamailo, like the way Hashem uh, runs the world, our world, Let's first see how the Atrebe teaches us to first control and dominate ourselves inside. And that's a Tanya. Basically, Tanya is the book that the Atrebe wrote. It's a mother book of Sides because it's a book that he wrote for all the common people. The title of the book is A Book for Regular People. That's literally the translation of Sefer Shalbainanim. I'm writing the book for regular people. Why? Because like, before okay, before I explain it how I wanna say like with my I would call the Tanya the an ode, you know, ODE, like a ballad, like a song, a poetry, the ode to willpower. You agree with me? Not yet? Give me 20 minutes, you'll see. It's literally the poetry to your brain and your willpower inside your brain. It's the greatest song, it's the greatest bet on human, on human ability to literally overcome yourself. It's the greatest bet ever, I think, in any ideology, and, and the koyach of a little human being to control things with his brain and his willpower. And I'll give an example. When I say that Tani Sefer Shabbatinim, Benini means not Russian, not Tzaddik. So in simple terms, the Tzaddik is the one that is rightly directed. The guy is correct. He's aiming at the right direction with his heart and mind. His mind understands the right concepts and his heart feels the right feelings. So he's rightly um, on the path. He might have mistakes compared to his mandrego, and he might have challenges that he has to overcome and whatever, but the general attitude and direction is correct, that's why he's called a righteous, correct person. Now the Rosha is the one that is aiming at the wrong side, at the wrong direction, and he's actually even walking in that direction. The Bainani, the regular person, for the rest of us, the 99% of us who are not either tzaddikim, perfect tzaddikim, or horrible reshoim, we live in the in-between. We live in the middle of both. We do have sometimes wrong desires, 
wrong temptations, impulses, but it's not only temptations and impulses. That's the examples we use for teenagers because that's the time of the life when you have all those impulses towards temptations. And yet it's not just about temptations. It's about happiness used wrong. It's about sadness used wrong. It's about fears. You can have fears of klipa. You can be afraid of things and not of Hashem. You can be depressed and that's klipa. There are many negative emotions that a Jew could have in his heart. And yet, the Benin is the person who overcomes those impulses and those feelings, either negative in whichever way, and, and uses the brain power of willpower. I know it sounds like redundance, but it's, I meant it. The brain power of willpower. In other words, the willpower, the koach haratzon, is a koach that belongs, that is found in the brain. And the brain, as one of its abilities, is to have will. That's so important. And it's so underestimated. You know, the Chesir translation of the Posuk, the major Posuk of the whole Psuke de Zimra, the whole entire Psuke de Zimra, it's all an excuse to just say this Posuk. Hashem, please open up your arms, your hands, must be and fulfill every person, every living thing's will. Like, give us what we need. That's the main davening posuk of Psuke de Zimbra. But Chsides translates it this way. Open up your arms and give us what? Give every living thing rotten. Not whatever they wish. Give them wish. Give them the power to desire. Give me koyach harotzoin. Give me willpower. Because the moment I have willpower, anything is possible. I can literally hike out the Himalaya. All you need is willpower. If you have rotzoin, anything is possible. If you have no rotzoin, the smallest challenge can throw you down and you can never get up again. You know, like in Israel, when, when a kid, when you ask someone to do something and the kid is like, ah, oh, I'm not in the mood or I couldn't be bothered or I don't want or whatever. How do you say that in Hebrew? Enikoach, right? Enikoach. What do you mean enikoach? What, you don't have literally the muscle power to like get up and walk to the kitchen and wash the dishes? What do you mean enikoach? I'll tell you what it means. Enikoach ratzon. I don't have the willpower. That's the power. The real power of the person is willpower. Stop. In the case of the kid, I gave an example. It's just an excuse, obviously. But koach, the true koach of a person, is the willpower. And the Tanya is an entire book. I call it the ode to willpower because it's an entire book based. It's full of advices that can literally save your life if with only one little star. You know the stars with the little letters at the bottom? The whole Tanya is the ultimate true and the solution for every problem in life. Kohabit, little star. Look at the bottom to the little letters. If, under one condition, you're willing. In other words, the Tanya is the biggest bet on a human's willpower, and a person's willpower. For example, 
we said that the Bainini has the wrong feelings or the wrong desires, could have, whatever. What's a Bainini? The one that makes sure that those feelings and desires do not become practical reality. Now, if you ever try to stop yourself from doing something wrong or to push yourself to do something right that you were really in the opposite mood and not in the mood to do, you know how hard this is. It's extremely hard. And sometimes, okay, I'll quote one quote. Let's start. I, I want to pick like this, make a salad, pick from Tanya different quotes and see how that through is like betting on our willpower, our brain, mentality, desire, and, and decision and willpower. It says in Pedicute Base, we learned it in Tanya yesterday, right? In the daily Tanya. And I guess that that's why this is the Pedic leading up to Zoom, leading up to the Orchid of the Altarebe. Shekol Odom Yochel, every person could, with the will of his brain, big emphasis, lays apic to restrain, to refrain himself from the impulse from the taiva, and control the spirit of taiva of his heart. You know, sometimes, you know, I was going to say the old people, but maybe I should say the Israelis. You know, when the Israelis who scream back at the TV, like in the, it's either news channel or like a soccer game or something, and like, oh my gosh, why don't you do that? Like, he's screaming at the players, pass the ball, you... M-. And they curse the players and they scream and they're all excited. And you feel like telling them, Psst, they're not listening to you. You know what I'm saying? They're, it's not like now the players are going to go like and do what you said. You can't talk back to the TV, sweetie. <laughs> now, sometimes you feel like talking back to the Tanya. You open the Tanya and the is like, of course, if you want, use your willpower. Come on, be strong. Just overcome your desires. You want X, Y, Z? Well, do the opposite. And you look at the book and you're like, uh, mm, did you ever experience my... Like, do you know how hard that is? And that's why I said that. The is very tough. Very. He looks at you in the eyes and he's like, no. Come on. Like, you have a willpower. Use it. Be strong. Control it, dominate it. Who's wearing the pants in your house called me? Who's the one who wears the pants? Who's the boss? Who's the ballet boss over here? My Rotsin. Every person could, with the rotsin of his brain, to restrain from doing something bad. And then, in Pedicuzine, it makes it even bigger. In Zion is already all out. He says, This example, I think, is stronger. The Moyach, by the way, this idea of the mind controlling the heart, and therefore you could use your willpower to control your impulses, and I don't care how down you feel, how tempted or desireful or sad or depressed or whatever, just get up and do what you have to do as a Eid and use your willpower to make yourself get up again and don't let yourself sink. That bet and willpower, if you pay attention, is the thread that goes through all of the rings to make the necklace of Tanya. It's literally all the time. I just, out of my memory, 
I picked four examples, but you can literally, probably you can have like 53 like amounts of chapters in Tanya. Every pedic is based on this ability of the soul. It's the only kohabit, it's the only little star, the only condition that you're willing to use your willpower. Willing to use your willpower. So here it's just like this. The brain dominates by nature and since birth. Al halev over the heart, and over your mouth. Did you ever try to use your willpower to control your mouth? You really feel like saying something? Oh my gosh, did you? Bite your lips. Just bite your lips. It's incredibly hard. But Al Rebbe says, the, ma- the mind, the seichel, controls the heart, controls the mouth, and controls all of the limbs. Who's the boss? Once again. And there, in Pedic Design, I like it because it's the only Pedic he gives two exceptions. Like, okay, fine. Unless, finally he gives an unless, I feel like, okay, let's see if I fit in there. And then you see how bad it is, the unless. What are the exceptions? Unless, so he says two things. I'll go on and say there. The first thing he says in the beginning of the pedic is, and this is nokel meyoid, this is very easy and doable. To any person who's got a brain inside of his skull. Whoa, that's a little strong, a little harsh. But it doesn't mean in an insulting way, I think. It means in a very practical way. Are you a human being? Are you different than an animal? Do you only have instinct and impulse? Or do you also have a conscious mind which is able to think consciously and willingly and decide with what to do even against the impulse if you with your mind and your willpower decide that that impulse is wrong? So as long as your brain power and human brain power means active bechiro chovshis, free, free from what? Free choice, free from what? Free from the being chained, free from the chains of animal impulses. Are you just a natural being who responds to the programming of your inner selves? Or you're a free person. Free person means free brain, free willpower, make a decision, get up and move in the right direction. So this is absolutely doable and even easy to whoever has a functioning brain inside of his skull. And then the second exception says, That's really sad. Unless you're a real Russia. If you're a real Russia, because like, what's the definition of a real Russia? The opposite of a tzaddik. A tzaddik is libom birshusom. Tzaddikim, they own their heart. They can literally do whatever they want with their heart. They can decide what to love, when to love, how to. Like, the heart is theirs. A beinini is in between. Obviously, that's a translation of beinini. What is a rosha? The one who doesn't have free choice anymore. His heart rules him. They belong to their heart. They're literally an animal who, just like an animal, belongs to the programming, the genetic programming he has in his system. He's programmed to, I don't know, he's a cat, he's programmed to look for 
for for a mouse in order to eat, and that's that's all he's gonna do. And you can't change it because it belongs to his heart, so to speak. Belongs to the nature. Are you like nuts? Okay, that's a rush of MS. For a person to be like an animal, it's a punishment. Actually, very connected to Pasha Shavua. Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, go to Paroi. Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, go to Paroi. And now we'll harden his heart. Wait, you already told me he's not going to listen. Why should I go? Okay, that's why Moshe Rabbeinu complains to Hashem. But the Bayechazek Hashem et Libo, Bayechazek Hashem et Liboy, is mamish a punishment. The Altair says that's the worst punishment to lose the wheel, to lose the, the, the steering wheel on your heart. If it happened to you that you're driving and you like turn the steering wheel and it doesn't move the, the, the wheels, whatever, it's like a really freaking scary thing. It's like when the steering wheel doesn't respond, basically it shouldn't happen to anyone. It's like really scary. You lose control and now the engine at power, the power and the speed of the car, it's all against you. It will crash and kill you probably. Uh, okay, maybe the, the brakes still work, but you get the point. The Alteva says, unless you're a Russian and totally broken system inside to the extent that you have no ownership over the wheeling, the, ste the steering wheel, then you should be able to do this. And then he, high, he, he ups the bet in the, I give examples of the tens the decade of the tens, <laughs> Yud Beis, Yud Zion, whatever, uh, about the beginning of Tanya. Then in the twenties, when he talks about the feelings, he hires the bet even higher. He raises the bar. In Chovov, Chov Zion, whatever, when he talks about getting rid of sadness because you need the happiness to serve Hashem, otherwise you're not going to be the Yitzhahara. He's directly telling you, you could even control your heart, your feelings. You're feeling sad? Hmm. I, I feel your pain. So the pain is a real pain. The sadness comes from a real source. That's why I'm dealing with it in Tanya. It's a real pain. And I won't be able to take away the pain. The pain is a natural reaction. Your pain in your heart, your physical pain, your pain in your mind. And yet, you should be able to take away the outcome of the pain, which is sadness. How? By Zboinenus. Think about the following. A, B, C, D, E. Wait, what are you doing? Are you teaching me an idea on which to meditate? So I do what? Yes, you heard right. So you put down your feelings and you tell your heart not to be sad. You're literally even trying to control feelings with this willpower of the mind. I'm going to think about something and I'm going to meditate, understand the world in a different way, use the glasses of Tanya to look at the world around me. Actually, I'm going to make my eyes become the lenses of Tanya. I'm going to look at the world in a specific way. And that's, again, not going to take the physical pain from me. It's not like a tzaddik. It's not like a chosid who learns Tanya and applies it doesn't feel pain. Of course he feels pain. But the depression that comes with it, the giving up feeling that comes with it, the clipodic feelings that happen as an outcome of that experience won't happen. Why? Because I'm the boss. I'm the one wearing the pants in the house. I'm the person and the willpower to which Altareva sings the Tanya Ode is <laughs> the one who's wearing the pants. He's the one who decides what we feel and when and how. Your mom is the body boss on yourself. And then in Perek Zain, he even teaches you how to guide it and use it. 
not only to control it, like you're sad now, okay, now it's not the right time to be sad because I'm davening or doing a mitzvah, helping a friend, a mitzvah, so I can't be busy being sad. So I'm sorry, sadness, you need to come whenever I give an appointment. <laughs> Literally, again, you look at the TV and you feel like replying. <laughs> like that Rebbe is telling you, like, for real, you're telling me to tell my feeling when to come? Feelings just happen. Yeah, but you're the boss and you're the one who tells the feeling when to happen. Now it's at the right time, so I'm not going to give you conscious thought. The feeling could be in the heart, but my conscious thoughts are going to be about something else until the moment I feel calm enough to deal with it, right? At the end of Chofzai. So you can even give appointments for conscious thought to your feelings. And then he even tells you how to use them, take advantage of them. So sometimes you're feeling bitter, or you, you recall this from Tanya, it's Chobzayin Chobches, where when a person feels like, whatever, sad for no reason, or for a materialistic reason, stop, you lost your wallet, you're in a bad mood. Constantine says, great, you know, I was actually in need for that Lego piece, because I was building something, my Avoid Hashem, and I needed a little bitterness to break the clipper and awaken the Avas Hashem. So you know what? Give it to me. Forget about the wallet. Just give me the feeling, give me the sadness, the whatever, the bitterness, give me the bad mood and we'll use it for Kedusha. Now, use the bad mood to feel bad for your Averis. That way you break your clipper and that way you come out to Simcha. What, for real? Like, please listen to what he's saying. I feel amazed by the, how daring the Tanya book is for regular people. He's literally grabbing you by the collar and slapping you, puff, 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 puff. Get up, oh, come on, get up. That's how I feel the Tanya is talking to you. It's a, that's why I'm saying it's the, the ode to, to willpower. Because like you're having a feeling, great. Use it for whatever, for your purpose and not for the purpose of the feeling. Don't let it run your life and therefore ruin your life. You run them and through that you save yourself. In other words, the whole entire ideology of Chassidus Chabad, and that's why it's called Chabad, because it's based on using your Chochma, Bino, and Das. It's putting the main emphasis on your brain. Use your brain, two sides of it. The willpower of the brain and the understanding, logical meditation, contemplation, modifying your ideology and through that modifying your feelings. And also willpower to get up and do what you need to do, even if it doesn't feel intuitively comfortably, comfortable. And those two things, the brain power of understanding and the brain power of koharatzon are the main and major things that the Alter Rebbe bets with the Tanya on. And, and I think that's a very, very strong teaching that we need to take into our lives. Because many times we break ourselves but letting go, by letting go. And just like, oh, just let me sink with whatever. But sinking is going with the flow. And a Jew is the one who's able to go against. With what? With Kohalatzon. Thank you everyone for listening. And the SSHM, I hope, will be having more Shiurim coming up.